and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole essence of Christianity. And what Jesus was telling us is that nothing matters more than relationships. And that's why this series in the Fruit of the Spirit is so important because it lays out for us the key ingredients for relationships. Paul tells us in Galatians 5.19 that the deeds of the flesh are immorality, impurity, sensuality, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envies. What is produced by my self-centered nature divides and destroys relationships. But then he says... In Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What is produced by the Spirit of God within me restores and unites and builds relationships. And this morning we're going to talk about the characteristic in the middle of that list of the fruit of the Spirit... And it is to be a characteristic that ought to be in the middle or center of your life, and that is kindness. When General Robert E. Lee retired from the military, am I okay? Am I still on? Okay, sorry. When General Robert E. Lee retired from the military, he became the president of Washington and Lee University. A young man who was seeking to register walked into his office one day and said, General Lee, I'm thinking about going to school here. I don't sound right. Am I okay? I'm still here. All right. I'm still impatient after last week. He said, generally, I'm thinking about going to school here, but I have never seen a list of your rules and regulations. Could you show me one? And generally, he said, son, we don't have a list of rules and regulations. He said, you mean you don't have one in print? He said, no, we don't have one. In fact, we don't have a bunch of rules and regulations. And the young man said, well, how do you run a college without any rules? And General Lee said, I didn't say we didn't have any rules. We have one rule at Washington and Lee University. And he said, what is that? And General Lee said, young man, we found that the only rule we need is the rule of kindness. If everybody will be kind to everybody else, every problem will take care of of itself. See, he had found that kindness is the key to relationships. Now, unfortunately, we live in a society where kindness is becoming an increasingly rare commodity. In a USA Today poll, 89% said that rudeness and unkindness have become a major problem in America. And more than three out of four said it's gotten worse in the last 10 years. The front page of a recent USA Today made this observation. A surly driver cuts into your lane. Your teenager brings home a CD with lewd, hostile lyrics. A political candidate in a TV ad morphs into a convicted murderer. A star baseball player spits in the face of an umpire. A radio talk show jockey insults the president while he's sitting there. It is impossible to ignore the growing rudeness, even harshness, of American life. We have become a society in which the milk of human kindness has curdled. You say, well, if kindness is so important, just what is kindness? Well, the Greek word is krestos, and it primarily means to be useful, to be helpful. It's a very practical quality. 
But there's also an additional angle to it. It's the word Jesus used in Matthew 11.30 when he said, My yoke is easy. So kindness is helpful to other people in a way that is easy. It's light. It's comfortable. It fits just right. It's also the word Jesus used in Luke 5.39 to describe aged wine. Kindness is helpful to others in a way that is warm and soothing and comforting. You see, it's not only a practical quality, it is an attractive quality. And this morning, I simply want to point out five things about kindness. I want to show you the example, the expression, the extent, the excuses, and the expectation. First of all, the example of kindness. Where do we look to see the example of kindness? Well, we simply have to look to God. Psalm 117.2 says, His loving kindness is great toward us. Now, what has God done in showing kindness to us? Let me remind you of four things. Number one, God's kindness provided our salvation. Look at Titus chapter 3 for just a moment. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Now that's about a very good picture of what we used to be. Used to be. But verse 4 says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. It was the kindness of of God that gave us what we needed more than anything else, and that is a Savior. And how much kindness did He show us on that occasion? Did He just take His kindness flavoring jar and sprinkle a little on us? No, if you look at verse 4, it says, when the kindness of God appeared, verse 5 says, He, personal pronoun, saved us. You see, kindness is a person. Jesus is the personification of the kindness of God. And He provided our salvation. Second thing God did in His kindness is that He draws us to salvation. Romans 2.4 says, The kindness of God leads you to repentance. When you think about your testimony, and you think about those circumstances that helped bring you to the end of yourself, And you think about those people that just came along at the right time to share the gospel with you. Was that a coincidence? No. You see, that was the kindness of God. The kindness of God not only provides our salvation, the kindness of God draws us to salvation. But then there's a third thing the kindness of God does, and that is it motivates us to grow in our salvation. 1 Peter 2.1 says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the Word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. When we have a potluck dinner here, my wife will often come to me at the table and she'll bring some dessert. She'll come, say, she'll bring some apple pie and say, taste this. This is June Thurman's apple pie. And I'll taste it. And when I go to the dessert bar, I don't go up there looking for those 
stale store-bought cookies we keep in the refrigerator. I go up there looking for June Thurman's apple pie because I have an appetite for it. See, if you have tasted the kindness of God in salvation, Peter says you don't want to go back to malice and guile and hypocrisy. You have an appetite to drink deeply from the kindness of God that is found in His Word. And then there's a fourth way God has shown His kindness to us, and that is that kindness is the completion of our salvation. And for that, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2 at one verse. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, In order that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. My daughter asked me the other day, what, what are we going to do forever in heaven? Good question. God gives part of the answer here. Paul says, God is going to spend eternity showing you and me the surpassing riches of His grace. And how's He going to show it to you? Is He going to draw it up on a chalkboard? Is He going to take you to a big vault and open the door and say, you can look but don't touch. There's my grace. No, Paul says He's going to show it toward us. He's going to shower His grace on us. Now this verse tells us there are ages to come. That in eternity there are going to be ages and ages and ages. And this is a very amazing verse because God has an unlimited amount of grace. And He's going to show that grace on us. He's going to shower it on us in the first age. And then He's going to say, have you got that? And we're going to say, yeah, I think we've got that. And He says, all right, let's move to the next age. And I'm going to show some more of my grace. I'm going to shower it on you then until we have it again. And then He's going to move us to the next age. And when is God going to run out of grace? He never will. And what is it that will motivate God to do that for us? He says in verse 7, He's going to do it in kindness. The example of kindness is our God. He saved us. He attracted us. He sanctifies us. And He will spend eternity showering His grace upon us. And I think it's very important for us to understand the example of kindness. Because the simplest definition of kindness is that kindness is treating other people the way God has treated you. Secondly, I want us to see the expression of kindness. Mark Twain once said, Kindness is a language that even the deaf can hear and the blind can read. Kindness is not confusing. Kindness is not hard to interpret. Let me give you three ways that we communicate kindness. Number one is through words. It says this about an excellent wife in Proverbs 31.26. The law of kindness is on her tongue. We express kindness in the words that we say. I heard about a fellow who had been away from his family for over a week and was feeling rather lonely. He sat down in a little cafe to eat and the waitress asked him, What would you like? He responded, I want some lasagna and a few kind words. 
Well, the waitress came back with his order, set it in front of him and turned to leave. And he said, say, what about the kind words? And she leaned down and whispered, don't eat the lasagna. Mamie Adams always went to the same branch post office in her town because the postal employees were friendly. One day, just before Christmas, she went there to buy stamps, and the lines were particularly long. Someone pointed out to her that there was no need to wait in these long lines because there was a stamp machine in the lobby. I know, said Mamie, but the machine won't ask me about my arthritis. Kindness is expressed in words. In the Whisper Test, Mary Ann Bird writes, I grew up knowing I was different and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate and when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. When schoolmates asked what happened to your lip, I'd tell them I had fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside my family could love me. There was, however, a teacher in the second grade whom we all adored, Mrs. Leonard by name. She was short, round, happy, a sparkling lady. Annually we had a hearing test. Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class and finally it was my turn. I knew from past years that as we stood near the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at her desk would whisper something and we would have to repeat it back. Things like, the sky is blue, or do you have new shoes? I waited there for those words that God must have put in her mouth, those seven words that changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. We express kindness through words. The second way we express kindness is through touch. In Matthew 8, 1, we read this about Jesus. When He'd come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed Him. And behold, a leper came to Him and bowed down to Him, saying, Lord, if You are willing, You can make me clean. And stretching out his hand, he touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Here's a man who was a leper. In fact, Matthew, as he writes it, says, Behold, he showed up in the multitude. And you can expect that that multitude divided like the Red Sea to let him through. He was a man who spent his life outside of the city, away from people. Whenever anybody came clean, came close to him, the law required that he cover his mouth and shout, unclean, unclean. Now, I'm sure that Jesus could have healed him with a word. Or Jesus could have said, I want you to go wash in the pool. Or Jesus could have said, go your way, your faith has made you whole. But Jesus reached out and touched him. A touch of kindness. Dr. Paul Brand is a specialist in leprosy. He was working in India one time when they brought him a young man in his 20s who had been eaten up with leprosy. Dr. Brand immediately diagnosed his problem and wanted to tell the man how he was going to treat the condition. 
So he reached out and he put his hands on the young man's shoulders and he began to speak to him through a translator. The man immediately broke out in tears. Dr. Brand turned to the translator and asked, did I say something wrong? And the translator said, he's not crying because of what you said. He's crying because you touched him. He said, no one has touched him in over 20 years. Kindness is expressed in a touch. Do you know someone in your life that needs a touch? Maybe it's an elderly family member who's alone, who rarely ever gets a touch. Why not just show up and put a hand on their shoulder, give them a hug? We express kindness through a touch. Thirdly, we express kindness through actions. Tony Campolo tells of an incident that happened to him once. He says he was headed to work along his usual route where he often passed a number of transient people. Occasionally they would blurt out the usual panhandling request for money and generally he ignored them. One day a bag lady whom he had seen before in his mad dash down the sidewalk came shuffling by holding a steaming cup of coffee from a local donut shop. Their eyes met, he forced a smile. She stopped and put down her disheveled coat and bags and said, Hey mister, would you like a sip of my coffee? He walked by quickly, or at least he started to, but something inside him stopped him on that frosty morning. And halfway down the block, he turned around and he came back and he said, Yes, I would like a taste of your coffee. And so she stuck out her dirtied hand and he took a sip of her coffee and she said, Isn't it good? And he said, Yes, this is good. Thank you. You're welcome. And as he turned to go, he asked, Say, why did you offer me your coffee? And she said, because it was so good, I thought someone else might want to share it with me. That's what kindness is. Kindness is wanting to share with others all the good things that God has given me. Or on the other hand, kindness is sharing the burdens that others are carrying. It's when you give to someone in need. It's when you lend to a neighbor. It's when you telephone or write to someone who's in sorrow. It's when you visit the sick or the aged. It's when you befriend a lonely person. It's when you lend a hand to an exhausted friend. Child author and lecturer Leo Bascali was once asked to judge a contest designed to find the most caring child. The winner was a four-year-old child who, whose next-door neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife. Upon seeing the man crying, the little boy went into the old gentleman's yard, climbed onto his lap, and just sat there. Later, when he came home, his mother asked him what he had said to the neighbor. And the little boy said nothing. I just helped him cry. Kindness. We express it in words. We express it in touch. We express it in actions. Thirdly, I want you to see the extent of kindness. And what I mean by that is that kindness extends into all areas of our life. And to illustrate that, I want to underline two areas where the Bible says we're to show kindness. These may be the very two areas where you need to extend yourself. 
First area, kindness forgives. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Is there someone in your life who has hurt you to the point where you're saying, I could never forgive him. I could never forgive her. Well, if so, then you don't understand the extent of kindness. The extent of kindness is expressed by God who forgave you and me for all of our sins. And what God has done for you, He wants you to do for others. Graced people are gracious. My role in life is not to rub it in. My role in life is to rub it out. Kindness forgives. Secondly, kindness confronts. Psalm 141.5 says, Let the righteous smite me in kindness and reprove me. It is all upon the head. Sometimes the kindest thing you can do for another person is tell them the truth. If I go to the doctor and he takes an x-ray and finds I've got a tumor in my body, and when he reads the x-ray, he says to himself, you know, I really like Dan and I hate to tell him bad news, so I think I'll tell him he's fine. Is he being kind? No. See, the kindest thing he can do is tell me the truth and schedule surgery. And the same principle applies when it comes to spiritual tumors that are in my life. See, kindness is not merely mushy sentimentalism. Kindness doesn't hide behind the popular term today, tolerance. Kindness is not just giving people what they want. Kindness is giving people what they need. That's the way God treated us. It's the kindness of God that led you to repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is a 180 degree turnaround. You see, Jesus loves you just the way you are. But Jesus loves you too much to let you stay that way. Out of kindness, a real friend will level with you. Out of kindness, a real friend will confront you. A real friend will say, I'm not going to stand by in silence and see you make the dumbest decision of your life. A real friend walks in when other people walk out. See, that is the extent of kindness. It's willing to forgive even the biggest sins, but it's also willing to confront even the smallest sins. Fourth thing is the excuses of kindness. And this one's real simple because there are no excuses for not being kind. You know, if anyone had an excuse for not being kind, it was Jesus. And I want to show you an example from his life. Look at Mark chapter 1 for just a moment. Mark chapter 1, verse 38. It says, And Jesus said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby in order that I may preach there also, for that is what I came out for. Jesus says, I want to leave Capernaum because my mission is to preach. 
And then slide down to verse 40. It says, And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus says, my priority is to preach. I've got to get out there and preach. I have a goal in mind. I'm a busy man. And immediately we see a leper in front of him asking him to help. Jesus could have made excuses, but what happens? Verse 41, and moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and he said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. There are no excuses for not being kind. If you turn over a page to Mark chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Jesus entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath in order that they might accuse him. Pharisees decided to set a trap for Jesus. And what did they use for bait? A man with a need. Pharisees said, we know when Jesus comes by, he's going to notice this man with a need and he's going to have compassion for him. I was watching uh, years ago the show TV bloopers and practical jokes. And a fellow set up a practical joke where he and his girlfriend went into an ice cream shop and, and they had it set up where there was a conveyor belt coming out of the back so they would order and then the ice cream would come out on a conveyor belt. And uh, they, what they did was loaded up the conveyor belt so that ice cream was just coming out and falling onto the floor and the person working back there couldn't keep up. So this girl jumped in to try to help and had ice cream all over her. And that was the practical joke. And they asked the fellow how he knew this would work. And he said, well, she is so caring, I knew that she would jump in and help. Let me ask you this. If somebody were going to set up a practical joke for you, if someone were going to set up a trap for you, could could they use a needy person as the bait to draw you in? Do people with needs attract you? Here's a letter from a nurse named Kathy Cooksey. During my second month of nursing school, our professor gave us a pop quiz. I was a conscientious student and had breezed through the questions until I read the last one. What is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? Surely this was some kind of joke. I had seen the cleaning woman several times. She was tall, dark-haired, and in her fifties. But how would I know her name? I handed in the paper, leaving the last question blank. Before class ended, one student asked if the last question would, would count toward our quiz grade Absolutely, said the professor. In your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. I've never forgotten that lesson. And by the way, I learned her name was Dorothy. Kindness makes no excuses. Proverbs 3.3 says, Do not let kindness leave you. Bind it around your neck. Write it on the tablet of your heart. Several years ago, a young man applied for and was accepted to go on a short-term mission trip to Haiti. Since he was an amateur photographer, he was especially excited about the opportunity to capture his experiences on film. And so, throughout the trip, he was always looking for the perfect picture. 
One day he was walking down the street and he saw a young boy dressed in rags, obviously a street person, approach a bakery. He came up to the front window of the bakery and put his face against the window and he put his hands on either side to block the glare and he stared longingly at the pastry and the bread lying on the countertop in front of him. Well, the young man knew he had his picture. So he ran into the bakery so he could get the baked goods in the foreground and this little boy in the background. And he snapped the picture. He was so proud of it, he couldn't wait to get back to the United States and get his pictures developed. When he finally got them developed, he turned right to this picture and he wasn't disappointed. It was even better than he remembered. It was the perfect picture. A few Sunday nights later, he got to explain his mission trip to his church, and so he had these pictures made into slides. And right before he got to this picture, he prefaced it by saying, the next one is my favorite. And when he showed it on the screen, the audience let out a collective, aww. And then he paused to focus it so they could see his, the little boy's face very clearly. And before he could comment further, someone in the audience spoke up and said, what did you do? And the young man said, well, I knew there was quite a bit of background light, so I compensated by adjusting the shutter speed. And the fellow said, no, I don't care about the picture. What did you do about that little boy? And he didn't have an answer. Because there are no excuses for not being kind. What is your excuse? I'm too busy. I'm preoccupied. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, You cannot do a kindness too soon, for you will never know when it will be too late. Fifth thing is the expectation of kindness. Let me tell you two things you can expect when you're kind. Number one, the costs will be great. You can't go into being kind like the fellow who was coming home from a business trip and thought he'd get his wife a little gift, so he went into the department store and said to the cosmetics clerk, how about some perfume? She showed him a bottle said, it's $50. He said, well, that's a bit much. So she went and got a smaller bottle and said, this is $30. He said, well, that's still quite a bit. So growing annoyed, she went back and brought a tiny little bottle and said, that's $15. And he said, well, you don't understand. What I mean is, I'd like something really cheap. So she handed him a mirror. Listen to me. Kindness will cost you. And I want to show you a verse, Luke 6.35. Luke chapter 6 and verse 35. It says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Did you get that? God is kind to people who don't deserve it, but not only is he kind to people who don't deserve it, when they get it, they don't even say thank you. And that's the same people that God has called you to be kind to. So what can you expect 
when you're kind to those kind of people? Well, Jesus tells you in verse 35, you can expect nothing in return. Kindness will cost you. Kindness is a losing proposition because God has called you to be kind to everybody, even your enemies. But then there's a second expectation, and that is the rewards will be great. And the rewards of kindness are twofold. One is there's a horizontal reward. Someone has said one of the most difficult things to give away is kindness, for it is usually returned. And when we show kindness to others, typically, there's great horizontal reward because those kindnesses return. But more importantly, there's a vertical reward. Notice what Jesus says in Luke 6.35. Your reward will be great. God has promised great reward for those who show kindness. One day, Mother Teresa was in Calcutta caring for a leper whose nose had been eaten off with leprosy. And she was changing the bandage on that man's nose as an American tourist walked by and observed the scene. He soon cringed at the sight as she removed the wrappings and revealed that where there was once a nose, there was now a gaping, infected hole. And he could smell the awful stench and he could see the contagious blood running down onto Mother Teresa's hands. And after a few moments of watching, he leaned down and he said to Mother Teresa, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. And she looked up and said, I wouldn't either. You see, the rewards of kindness are far greater than that. In fact, in Matthew 25, it indicates that the issue in the time of judgment is going to be how you treated other people. Jesus is going to say, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. And we're going to say, well, when did we do that? And he's going to say, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Kindness is not a minor issue. It's at the heart of Christianity. And that explains why Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God.